Hey, you find yourself here in the middle of our XOXO series where we've been talking about how do we pursue uh, healthy relationships, specifically when we're talking about dating. And uh, the past two weeks, just giving you a quick little summary where we've been. Uh, the first thing we did is we defined uh, what dating is uh, in the most clinical form and sort of the standard form. This is the definition of dating that we're working with. Dating is the process of evaluating a person. Again, don't say to somebody, hey, you want to go get some Froyo? I'm interested in evaluating you. <laughs> yeah, I want to enter in a process of evaluating you. No, no, don't do that. Uh, this is a clinical sort of simple way to look at dating. Uh, it's a process, right, of evaluating a person. So there's the the how, which is the process, and then there's the who, which is the person. The first week we talked about the who, and we said the first who is you. Yeah, great. Uh, we, we will never find a healthy relationship if we ourselves are not healthy. The first thing we have to do is we have to focus on our relationship with God, our own spiritual health. The first who is you. And the second thing we said uh, is we have to look, when we're looking for the next who, we have to look at character not characteristics. Character first. That's what's going to be lasting. That's when it can uh, connect you deeply beyond characteristics. And then last week, Mark Mornishi taught, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Mark taught about the why of dating, why we should date, why we should not date. And we talked about some boundaries when it comes to sex and when it comes to porn and why it's so, such a valuable thing to have boundaries. Today, uh, we're going to talk about that how piece, the process the how piece. And then next week, just to give you a sneak peek, I'm super excited. Uh, to, they're sort of a power couple. Uh, it's my boss, senior pastor in Menlo Park, Eugene uh, Lee, and his wife, Esther, are going to be here. And so a lot of you have submitted questions. Uh, we're just going to hammer them with a lot of questions and hear a lot of advice and wisdom from them. So look forward to that. But today, talking about the how, the process of dating. And I want to start off uh, by sort of looking at the process that our culture engages in with dating and sort of asking the question, is that process effective? Does it work? Uh, there's a, a New York Times columnist named David Brooks. He's sort of like a modern-day philosopher uh, of sorts. And he writes this. Uh, a couple years ago, he wrote this. I, I think it's very pertinent. Now, young people face a social frontier of their own. They hit pu puberty around 13 and many don't get married until they're past 30. It's two decades of coupling, uncoupling, hooking up, relationships, and shopping around. Uh, this period isn't a transition anymore. It's a sprawling life stage. And nobody knows the rules. Uh, once young people came a-calling as part of courtship, uh, then they had dating and going steady. Uh, but the rules of courtship have dissolved. They've been replaced by ambiguity, uncertainty, Cell phones, Facebook, text messages give people access to hundreds of friends, and that only increases the fluidity, drama, and anxiety. That last line increases the fluidity, drama, and anxiety. As we took a survey with some of you and uh, just talked about the frustrations, I think that's uh, where a lot of you guys are, the fluidity, the drama, and the anxiety. Uh, so that's one philosopher. There's another modern-day philosopher who also talks about dating. Uh, let's just hear from them really quick. So, dating. Uh, oh, no, it's totally fine. You live with your mum. Uh, 
And those are my thoughts on dating. Uh, that's modern-day philosopher and theologian Rebel Wilson. Uh, saw that a couple of nights ago. I was like, ah, I have to show you guys that. Uh, dating, uh, we talked about a word for it in the first week, complicated, right? It's also frustrating, uh, full of anxiety, confusion with apps. And uh, many of you said in your surveys, just the not knowing how to communicate uh, with everything going on. So we know uh, the process in our culture currently is just confused at best, right? Uh, but what about the results of the process in our culture? Uh, what about these results? Uh, you guys will probably know this, this stat, but right now in our culture in America, the divorce rate is around 50%, uh, which if you are shooting three-pointers from an NBA distance, 50% is really good. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, but when you're aiming for a lifelong commitment with somebody, 50% is not so good. And I don't want to say a caveat. If you're in here and you've been divorced before, man, no judgment at all. There's a lot of complexities, nuances. Uh, I, please don't feel any kind of judgment for me in, in this. Uh, but when we're looking at the process our culture engages in, when it comes to dating, and we see the results, uh, we got to ask the question, is it working effectively? Uh, the Bachelor, any of you guys watch The Bachelor? Yeah, of course. I, yeah. There's like 9 million people that watch it. None of them are in this room. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> uh, the Bachelor's been going on for years and years. There's pomp. There's uh, just tons of drama, beautiful people. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing, right? Uh, it's interesting. A writer in the Huff Post did some data research on the effectiveness of The Bachelor. <laughs> And she found uh, that The Bachelor, there's been 11% success rate of those relationships that make it. Now, obviously, that show is an extreme over-exaggeration what happens. But I think if we're honest with ourselves and we look at our culture and we see the process that people engage in and then we see the results, we have to ask the question, will this process lead to healthy relationships. Now, uh, Mark mentioned this last week. The Part of the problem we face as followers of Jesus is there is no dating advice in the Bible. <laughs> People didn't date back then. That wasn't really a thing the way we think of it. Uh, but tonight, I do think that there are some principles we can look at in Scripture that remind us of this fact, that we are supposed to be counter-cultural. Okay? So maybe some of you are here tonight, you're not, you're not a Christian, or maybe you're sort of deconstructing your faith, and you're like, man, that seems so old-fashioned, that's weird, and I get that. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to be countercultural. So we're going to look at that a little bit. Uh, so I want to start by looking at uh, a scripture in 1 John 2. And this is uh, Jesus talking here. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. And quick pause right there. Sometimes when you hear this scripture, uh, it can sort of confuse you a little bit. It's like, wait, isn't it like for God so love the world? Right, right, right. We're not talking about people here. We're not talking about creation. Uh, the Greek word for world here is actually cosmos, cosmos. And what this word is meaning in this scripture, we're talking about the attitudes and values that disregard God. The attitudes and values. So just to be clear, we're not talking about people. Every person, regardless of their background, uh, where they're at, they're loved by God and loved by us. We're not talking about creation. We should care for creation, okay? So let's go back to the scripture. <clears throat> Do not love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And so we see from Jesus, sometimes it can feel a little extreme and jarring to hear from him, but what we're called to, if we're uh, trying to be apprentices of him, trying to be disciples of Jesus, he's, at, he's telling us, instructing us to not love the attitude and the values of the world, but instead to adapt a countercultural view. So here's the, the sort of the main thing I want to get across to you tonight. Uh, it's this, if you want a different result, you have to engage in a different process. If you want a different result than what you're seeing in this culture, you have to engage in a different process. It's sort of like that cliche, the definition of insanity is uh, you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Um, it's the same thing with this. If you want a different result, you have to engage in a different process. So uh, quickly, what we're going to do tonight is I'm just going to go through some very practical things that I have seen uh, ways to engage in a different process. Uh, we're going to go through some of them. Might, might not have time for all of them, uh, but if we don't, uh, we'll be able to answer them uh, some more next week, okay? Uh, so the first one, uh, how do you engage in a different uh, process? And uh, this is what I'd say. Uh, you, you need to be equally yoked, equally yoked. And some of you grew, grown up in the church, you're like, yeah, I've heard this one a lot. If you haven't grown in the church, you're like, what are we talking about here? Like eggs? What are we talking about yolk? Uh, this is where it comes from. Second Corinthians 6.14, do not, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not be unequally yoked. Now, a lot of us who grew up in the church we sort of got this teaching, and it felt like sort of a superiority thing. Like, yeah, you don't want to be uh, matched with a non-Christian because, you know, we're sort of better. And just to be clear, that's not what we're talking about. If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian here, it doesn't mean, like, one's bad, one's good. Here's what I believe this scripture is getting to. The word yoked uh, could be described as mismatched. Mismatched. Uh, if you're not a Christian, it doesn't mean bad. It's talking about being mismatched with somebody. So I've got an example of what I think uh, this sort of plays out. So I've picked some very random, a random uh, couple in here. Uh, where is that couple at to help me with this illustration? Okay. Super random, not planted at all. Okay. Everybody welcome up. Super random couple. Okay. You hold that. You had a mullet. <laughs> okay, stay. Stay, get a little closer. No, closer. Oh, this is not starting out well. I'm just kidding. Okay, so we all know that there will be misalignments in relationships, right? Uh, like you get to a relationship and you, you will have misalignments like does the toilet paper go over or does it go under? It obviously goes over. That's the right way to do it. Some people think it goes under, and those people are crazy. But you can get in a relationship, and you can figure that one out, right? Uh, some You might have a debate on who's the greatest rock band of all time. My wife might say uh, some, like, soft rock. I might say Radiohead. And I would, of course, be correct in this situation. But, you, like, you can get over a mismatch, some, some misalignment, right? 
uh, foods. My wife doesn't like seafood. So I have to, like, when she's gone to her women's small, small group, I'll go get a can of tuna, and I'll eat it by myself, and then I'll destroy the evidence. Uh, she watches these videos, though, so she knows now. So point being, there are going to be misalignments, and that's fine. You can get over them. Here's what I believe is important about this principle that Scripture is teaching. Again, we're not talking about Christians being better and they shouldn't date somebody who's not as good as them. Not it at all. Not it at all. What we're talking about is being mismatched. So here's what I think. I think when you get to the big things in life, this is going to be a real hard thing when you're mismatched. So an example uh, that I've written down here that my wife and I have gone through, uh, one big one is uh, how are you going to, to raise your kids, okay? So maybe one uh, would say, I'm going to raise my kids by, I never went to church. It's sort of weird. Don't like them there. One wants to take the kids to church. So it might create some tension. So now step one. Okay, good job, guys. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to teach uh, your kids, or what are your own personal philosophy on uh, eternity? This is a big one. Uh, you are going to have people close to you die. And it's going to create so much stress and anxiety in you. You're going to wonder what's happening. And how are you guys going to be able to reconcile that together? So, okay. <laughs> so we're starting to see a little tension here. Uh, how about this one? Um, uh, financial decisions or just decisions in general, right? Uh, are you, are, are you, uh, is your philosophy one that's based on uh, a, a, a person who is homeless and single and who talked about sacrificial love? Or are you going to be based on sort of a worldly uh, kind of philosophy or a different kind of philosophy? It might create a tension. Okay, now we're getting real scary here. I'm going to get to the point where one of you guys is going to get hit. It's going to be funny. Uh, let's just do one more. Uh, what's your, what's your, <laughs> are you okay? Okay, just don't hold it close to your face. Just a little tense. Uh, so the point I'm making is this. Uh, as we go ahead and take one step closer. No, farther. Okay. I know. I feel really scared right now. The point being, uh, not to be yoked with the unbeliever is not a, someone's better, someone's not. There's so many tense, huge things in life. And as we try to decide and navigate those down the road, it creates so much tension. And uh, so at some point, the tension's got to pop, Right. Okay, so keep working farther away. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. Keep coming this way, Alicia. It's going to be unbearable. Oh, my gosh. Ah! Okay, give it up for our, our random volunteers. Thank you. Okay, I'm, I'll be honest. We tried it beforehand, made sure it wasn't going to hurt anybody. Uh, so the, my story with this, when I look back at uh, my relationship with my wife, something I've been super grateful for is uh, when my dad passed away, uh, we were really clear about where we stood philosophically, theologically. Uh, when we started having kids, uh, it was really clear how we were going to raise them, how we were going to teach them. Do we have some differences in theology? Sure. Again, there's, some, there's differences there. But we want to teach them about Jesus in the way of Jesus. Uh, my or our decision to come out to California was largely based on the teachings of Jesus. 
uh, it was pretty uh, irrational to move out to the most expensive, most expensive area in the country with a newborn to work for a church. But we prayed about it, and we and we we decided we wanted our life to to mean something deeper than just getting buying a house and having a, a comfortable place. And so when I look back, it's again, it's not a good or bad. It's just the, the fact that when you're aligned on the teachings of Jesus, this should radically affect how you live your life. And if you're going to enter into an intimate relationship with somebody, this is going to create a lot, a lot of, of tension uh, to the point it might pop at some point. Okay, let's go to the next one. Here's the next one. Sort of countercultural. Uh, date in community. Date in community. Uh, I don't mean like date like communally. <laughs> That's weird. Date in community. How many of you have had a friend you're super close to and they meet somebody and then for the next like two months you try to contact them? And you just can't get it, can't hang out with them, you can't get a hold of them. Or how often has this happened? Have you been at Sank for a while? Uh, someone meets somebody at Sank, and then you're like, see ya. <laughs> I know you're never coming back. Uh, this is sort of the, uh, what a lot of us end up doing. We meet somebody, and then we attach ourselves to them, and we just create our own little bubble, and we go off and do our thing. But what I want to challenge you guys is this is not the intention of dating. Uh, this is not the intention of relationships in general. Uh, we experience each other, all of us, we experience each other in community. Uh, this uh, tells us a lot about the other person. It takes pressure off of the relationship. Uh, but the biggest thing is if you uh, take yourself out of community, you lose an important voice of evaluation. Uh, Proverbs 26.4 says this, In abundance of counselors, there's victory. An abundance of counselors. In the old days, uh, it was it was pretty standard that you would meet your match with family, and you would do it in community, and you would get the advice of elders and mentors. Uh, and so, if we're going to engage in a different process that looks different differently than our culture, we have to figure out how do we date in community. Uh, I, I know for me, it was so important that two, my two best friends really loved Lori. I wanted them to, to really give their stamp of approval. Are you doing this? When you're attempting relationships, are you doing it in community? Uh, again, this, this was our story. Uh, I think I told you two weeks ago, the, the people that first told me about Lori were friends of mine in a ministry. And then for the next six months, Lori and I didn't even officially date. Uh, we just hung out with friends. We'd do like game nights, we'd do movie nights, and we just got to know each other in a group, in a, a group setting. And then when we started dating, it wasn't weird for us to just hang out with other people. It's so valuable. So uh, first one, equally yoked. Second one, date in community. And then the third one is be prayerful. Be prayerful. And I don't mean, this is sort of what I said two weeks ago. When I say be prayerful, I'm not talking about the Christian teaching some of us got where it's like just pray uh, the prayer for your mate and it will be given to you. <laughs> your mate will drop from the sky, right? That's not the kind of prayer. Pray for that as well. But prayer, here's what I think prayer can be. Prayer can be the anecdote for the anxiety that comes with dating. Prayer can be the anecdote for the anxiety that comes with dating. I want to read you a little portion of uh, the prayer of St. Patrick. 
I'm not going to read the whole thing, but a little portion. And just feel uh, the, the power of a prayer like this. God's might to uphold me. God's wisdom to guide me. God's eye to, to look before me. God's ear to hear me. God's word to speak to me. God's hand to guard me. God's way to lie before me. God's shield to protect me. God's host to save me. Afar and anear, alone or in a multitude. And he says this, Christ shield me today against wounding Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. The depth of when we pray and attach ourselves to Christ. When we find our worth in him, our value in him, our identity, our future in him, attaching ourselves. This is the prayers we need to be praying. This is the anecdote for the anxiety that we can face in dating. There's a pastor I listen to a lot in Colorado. He talks about uh, how we often have, the, oftentimes have the gospel of self-reliance. And this creates anxiety in us because we want to create everything. We want to make everything happen ourselves. We need to turn it over to God. So be prayerful. Uh, next one. Uh, Counterculture uh, ways to date process today is respect. Respect. Uh, we talked about sex and porn a little bit last week, um, but one of the issues of being in an image-driven society is uh, we have all seen so many pictures and images uh, of, of people that have attached themselves in our brains, and, and oftentimes it creates this kind of grocery aisle mentality of like, I, I, I want Beyonce's that, <laughs> and I want Ryan Gosling's that, and we sort of piece together uh, these features that we're looking for, and oftentimes we can, uh, this can become an appetite for us, and if we're not careful, people stop becoming people, and they start becoming uh, a desire, an appetite. Uh, you, you've seen it like I've seen it, where someone's eyes is just on the prowl for somebody, and what we need to remember, this truth, this countercultural truth is this. Ephesians talks about it. Uh, each person, regardless what they look like, regardless how well we know them, each person is a beloved son and daughter of God, created in the image of God. I said this last week. Uh, I think of my daughter, and I think about when she gets older and how I I'm so scared for all the guys that are going to be looking for her, right? Because I know guys. I was one of them. I'm still one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but I want some, some at some point in her life for someone to come along who sees her the way I see her, who values her the way I value her, not someone who's looking for features, not someone who's prowling around and sees uh, just beauty. And this is the way we're supposed to be to everybody. When we come to Sank, when we go out, when we try to meet people, it's like looking beyond 
features into their heart and seeing the beloved creation that they are. And so we treat people with kindness and gentleness, with honor. And uh, I, I heard this uh, pastor say this. It's really cheesy, but I think it's really good. The goal is not to impress, but to bless. I know it's cheesy, but it's catchy. The goal is not to impress, but to bless each other. I used to work in student ministries, and we'd do these camps. And the, these, these high school dudes would get so excited to go meet these girls. And so I'd be, like, in the high school, like, dorm room, and there would be a cloud, a cloud that you could see of Axe body spray. And, and the guys would be like, oh, I'm going to get a girl tonight. I'm going to show her what's up. And I was like... I hope she has lost her sense of smell at some point along her journey because it's horrible. Uh, a lot of us, we sort of go into uh, relationships early on just trying to impress, uh, to spike our hair up in the perfect way. That was my day. I don't know what you do now. Uh, but we try to impress. But as followers of Jesus, the countercultural way for us is to want to bless somebody else. They're our brothers, they're sisters, sons and daughters of God, to live in a way that we bless them. And a quick side note, quick side note, can we all agree that there should be no creepers at Sank? No creepers at Sank, right? I know girls who have left Sank because they were tired of getting hit on, okay? I want to be clear, love you, everybody's welcome, I really do mean that, but you have to respect each other. And this is not just a place to hit on each other. This is not just a place to look for girls. This is a place uh, to bless each other and to follow in the way of Jesus. Okay, sidebar over, sidebar over. Okay, so uh, those are a few ways. Do you guys want a couple of bonus, real quick ones? Okay, just quick bonus ones. Uh, here's a bonus one. I'll keep it super short. Clarity. Clarity. Uh, apps, great. Apps are a tool. Tech, any technology is a tool. It's not bad or it's good. It's how you engage in it, right? So uh, apps are fine to me. They're a tool. But what can happen with apps, what can happen with texting is we start to hide behind these tools. And we start to lose our ability to communicate well and the courage to speak clearly to each other. And so I just want to say uh, healthy dating, countercultural dating, is to give clarity. Clarity of intentions. Uh, you know, if you want to take a girl out, uh, you don't have to say, hey, you want to hang out sometime? Just be clear and say, hey, I'd love to take you on a date at some point. If you're not interested, that's cool. And, and maybe you start dating. Uh, continue with the clarity. Uh, give, an, uh, give, a, give an out for that person. Hey, I'm really enjoying this. I'm interested in continuing dating. If you're not, that's totally cool because my identity, my worth is in Christ. Uh, so that's cool. I'm going to give you an out there. But it's so important. Just keep that clear communication and courage. Uh, another bonus one, uh, living together, cohabitation. Uh, a couple of you asked that on the survey. Like, okay, what if we keep the boundaries? We're not having sex, but we want to live together. What's the deal with that? Uh, so there's no scripture that speaks to that because that wasn't really a thing back in the Bible. Uh, and so, you know, it's sort of a case-by-case -case thing, but what I would say is to remember that marriage 
it is not about living together. Marriage is not about sex. Marriage is not about uh, a lot of the other things. Like what marriage is at the core is a lifelong commitment between two souls. Between two souls. That's when it begins. That's when it starts. And so everything else follows behind that. Like living together is something that happens and you work it out. And so my only, uh, my only fear, not my only fear, but some of my issues, fears with cohabitation, living together, is you're starting to enter into this marriage process now where you're living together, you're sharing life, you're sharing things that were intended for two souls who are committed to each other. Uh, where, like, if my wife or I, we deal with something when we're living together, uh, we, we learn how to work it out because we're committed for life. And so if you're cohabitating, uh, that could just create some issues with that complexity. So there's a couple of bonuses. So point of the day, if you want a different result, if you see the world, you see the culture, and you're like, ah, I want a different result than that, you have to engage in a different process. And this is going to take courage. This is going to ha- uh, take the ability to, to look different. This is going to take patience. But that's what it's going to take. Uh, last thing I want to do, it t- I want to tell you a story about my grandma. Uh, my grandma, Grandma Catherine, she grew up in the dusty plains of Oklahoma on a peanut farm, I think it was. And she sort of grew up in the Great Depression. She would tell me stories about uh, growing up, and they would just be able to eat uh, bread in milk, and that was like their dinner. That's what they could afford so she sort of has this toughness to her and this grit. And uh, she, she's always called me her favorite grandson, which I appreciate. I'm the only grandson, uh, but <laughs> what's well, meant a lot to me. And uh, about 10 days ago, on her 88th birthday, my mom let me know that at the time they thought she'd had a stroke. Uh, but it turns out it's a pretty complicated uh, thing that's going on. I couldn't even explain it to you. But she's been in the hospital for 10 days now. And uh, so she's just been on my heart and my mind. Uh, but my mom's been telling me what's been happening. And she's been telling me what my grandpa's been doing. And how he has been by her side the whole time. And he, she just keeps saying, uh, he's just been a rock for her. And he'll, he'll lean to her and he'll just keep saying, like, we're going to get you through this. You're going to be back to normal before you know it. He's 90 years old, by the way. And I was thinking about uh, back to when I was a kid, and we would find in their old house uh, these letters that they kept from when they were dating years ago. Uh, letters. You're familiar with letters? They're uh, paper? Okay. Um, and so they would write letters of just like, I'm watching the Cardinals game. What are you doing? The weather's fine. You know, it was a long, long process letters. <laughs> Uh, but then Grandpa went to the, the war eventually, and so we saw, like, got to read these letters. And uh, I'd asked my mom just a little bit of their dating story. And uh, I won't read you all of it, but she asked Grandma and Grandpa in the hospital a little bit about, about it. Uh, grandma said, uh, my Grandpa and two of her good friends uh, worked in the co- college cafeteria, and two guys came through the line often. One was Chester. That's my Grandpa's name. It's awesome. He was a basketball player, runs in the family. Uh, (laughs) It's a joke. Uh, 
uh, her words where they all became friends and did a lot of things together, which is pretty cool. That's a community thing. Eventually, they began dating. Uh, I asked her if Grandpa was as quiet as he is now, and she replied, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so here, Grandpa filled in the other details. Uh, the official meeting was at the cafeteria in January of 1953. He remembers the month. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, he said, oh, you don't need to know that. Uh, <laughs> so they married uh, later that year. Things were different back then. Uh, on the 30th, they went to get the marriage license, and they found the Methodist preacher and told him they'd be back. Uh, every, everyone on the farm was in the peanut field. Was, I know, this is funny. So they got Wilma and Roy, who just lost his arm. Okay, Mom, I don't even know that. Uh, after getting back to the farm, <laughs> Grandma Opal, uh, great-grandma, asked Catherine to fix dinner for everyone before they left together. Grandpa said it wasn't dinner for a few people, and he remembered it being fried chicken. And so as I was reading that, I was, do we have a picture of them? Hit that picture, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grandpa is a hero of mine. He is stoic, he is quiet and reserved, and he is a rock. And my grandma is a hero of mine. She is gritty. She talks a lot. <laughs> uh, she used to preach some. I get a little bit of that from her. But I've just been meditating on that these 10 days. And the fact that they are living out these vows that they said to each other. Uh, Till death do us part. Till death do them part. And they're, they're in the last season of their life. And he's right there with her. She's right there with him. Uh, they were the first ones to take me on a mission trip overseas. They took me to South Africa. They have served in like over 30 countries. Lived a life of adventure, love, of generosity. I was just thinking, this, this is the kind of result that we all want. A partner with us for life, to share life with, uh, to fight for us, to be there uh, when we're sick. And the reality is, if we want that result, we've got to engage in a different process. And like we said a couple weeks ago, that's not guaranteed. Please don't hear me saying we're all going to get that. That's a harsh reality of life. But we're definitely not going to get it if we don't engage in a healthy process. So would you bow your heads with me? And just want to give you a moment to, to think of your own life. Um, one of the beautiful things about their relationship is it, it was on a foundation. They built their lives on something more than their careers, uh, more than obtaining things in this world. They built their foundation uh, on Jesus. That's what it was all about for them. And so the, I just want you to spend like a minute reflecting on yourself. Are you able to pray in the way that St. Patrick prayed? What is your life built on? Beyond dating, your career, your attitude, your values, what are you building it on? Jesus, thank you for giving us uh, an example to follow. 
Thank you for giving us a way and a path to follow. I, I just pray for so many in this room who are frustrated and sort of over uh, the uh, relationships. <laughs> Maybe they're feeling lonely, left out, broken, hurt. Um, at this point, maybe giving up hope that anything would ever work out. Jesus, I would ask that you would uh, let your presence be known in a real way to them. Would you help them find their value and their worth in you? Would you speak loving words to their heart and their soul that they were created with intention and purpose? They're a beloved child of God. Jesus, would you guide us as we navigate such a complex and, and uh, confusing world? Oftentimes, we want to do the right things, and we don't even know what to do. In those moments, would you guide us with your Holy Spirit? Would you help us be the kind of community that strives after you, not just with our relationships, but with every piece of our life, beyond songs, beyond a gathering, but people who want to be like you? We thank you for this time. Would you uh, meet us where we are tonight? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.